10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald, and I want to thank you very much once again for deciding to join me. I always do appreciate that. Are we having fun with this impeachment stuff yet or not? I mean, this is just so far beyond ridiculous that it can't even see ridiculous from where it is. If you had told me before this happened that this was even possible in the United States of America, I would have laughed in your face and told you you were crazy. This is just insane. First of all, to put Adam Schiff in charge of the initial steps of the impeachment inquiry just blows my mind. This is the same Adam Schiff who told us that he had seen proof that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, that he had the evidence that the president colluded with Russia. We, of course, have yet to see that evidence because it does not exist. It never happened. It's not true. It's a total lie. This is the same Adam Schiff who read into the congressional record a completely false description of the transcript of the president's call with President Zelensky of Ukraine. Completely false. I mean, he fabricated the entire thing. The transcript is very clear. If you have a rudimentary education, you can read the transcript for yourself. As intelligent and as informed as my listeners are, you guys have probably already done that. But it's just not this difficult. And he has to read in a completely false narrative to attempt to make his bullcrap case. So that gives you an idea of the credibility of the chairman of the Intelligence Committee who is leading the first step of this impeachment inquiry. Yeah, real winner. That's a guy I would have picked, too. So... During the course of his hearings, the only witnesses that he called were witnesses that had secondhand or hearsay knowledge of what happened on the phone call. The only person that he brought in that was actually on the call, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, stated that he had no evidence of a quid pro quo, no evidence of bribery, no evidence of treason, in fact, no evidence of any high crime or misdemeanor. He testified to that. Furthermore, Ambassador Sondland stated flat out, he asked President Trump what Trump wanted from Ukraine. He stated that the president said, and I quote, nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Close quote. That's the end. That's game, set, match. The president is totally exonerated by a political opponent. Done. You lose. Again. It's like it's November 16th. Or November of 2016 all over again. It's like all you guys do is lose. And you deserve to. So Schiff, after listening to all these witnesses that bring absolutely nothing to the table and one of his own witnesses completely exonerates the president, sends over a totally fabricated report to judiciary. Adam Schiff 
fabricated. You're going to hear this lots of times. Seems like that's the only thing the guy's capable of. So Judiciary gets the report, and they open up their portion of the hearings. They bring in three alleged constitutional law professors from across the country, Yale, Stanford, and University of North Carolina. Sounds like you got some pretty serious hired guns there. One would think so, if you just look at the credentials. Professor Pamela Carlin from Stanford immediately begins to perjure herself with her opening statement. Yeah, again, con law professor, first thing she does, perjure herself in front of Congress. She actually said that Trump withheld aid from Ukraine until, quote, his political opponent was painted as a criminal, close quote. That didn't happen. That flat out didn't happen, and she knows it didn't happen. As a constitutional law professor, I would think that she would know if you willingly present false testimony to Congress, that's called perjury. Perjury is a crime. Perjury is a jailable offense. Perjury is a felony. As if Schiff wasn't bad enough, this is the next group of witnesses that are going to present testimony to these congressional committees. I mean, it's like, wow. I mean, wow. Democrats couldn't screw this up anymore if they tried. And it's like, I, I, wish, I wish every American had a chance to sit down and watch this, to hear all of these witnesses say, nope, there's no, there's no uh, impeachable offense here. Not one witness, not a single witness that actually has any, any knowledge about the case has said that Trump should be impeached. None of them has said that they know of one impeachable offense. Now, these con law professors did, but you know what? I'm not going to listen to somebody who, the first time I ever see her speak, immediately commits perjury. Bill Clinton would be proud. Furthermore, the report that went from Intel to Judiciary contained an absolute fabrication in that it said that Joe Biden's misconduct in Ukraine had been completely debunked. And I thought about this a little bit, and I thought, you know, I could give you proof that that wasn't true. I could tell you all the reasons why that wasn't true. I decided it might hit just a little bit harder if I let Joe Biden tell you why that isn't true. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden talking about his corruption in Ukraine. So they said they had they were walking out to the press conference said, no, nah. I said, I'm not going to or we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. So what do you think, ladies and gentlemen? Did uh, Mr. Biden debunk anything there? Or did you see that the same way I do, that it was a straight-up confession? This isn't my analysis. This isn't my opinion. These are his freaking words admitting to what President Trump wanted Ukraine to investigate. He absolutely did it. He said he did. 
He said he did. Quid pro quo. I'm leaving here in six hours. Prosecutor's not fired. You're not getting a billion dollars. Son of a bitch. He got fired. Absolute definition of a quid pro quo. And I don't even really have a problem with that. You know, when we give foreign aid, it's usually got some uh, expectations attached to it. And it should. We shouldn't go around throwing everybody our tax dollars willy-nilly. We shouldn't, you know, put $150 billion of completely unapproved, untraceable money on the tarmac of the world's leader state-sponsored terrorism when they're building a nuclear program. Democrats don't care about that, do they? No. No, of course they don't. I mean, it's just beyond ridiculous. American people are smarter than this. American Democrats are smarter than this. Like, there's absolutely nothing here but hatred. That's it. You don't overthrow a duly and lawfully elected president over your own personal hatred and bias. I mean, it makes me physically sick. And especially when I consider the precedent that's being set right now. You know, Democrats have decided that anytime Congress asks for any presidential record, be it a phone call, be it a witness, be it documents, whatever it is, it has to be toned, turned over. Or you're in contempt of Congress. Really? Huh, interesting. So if we have a Democrat president that's running for re-election and he calls his campaign headquarters and Republicans say, hey, you know what? We need the tape of that phone call. That Democrat president has to give it. Well, according to their rules, he does. Or she does. Please, dear God, don't let it be she does because I know what she it would be. I mean, it's like it's just not right. What about these secret phone calls that you know presidents are making back and forth? High-stakes deals. International diplomacy. All that stuff has to be released to Congress anytime they ask for it? And made public? Really? How's that going to work for national security? Anyway, um, as I said, you know, the, the one person that allegedly had evidence, actual evidence against the president didn't testify. Blocked by Democrats. Yeah, they had one person that had anything material, supposedly. And they don't bring them forward. Now, Schiff says that, you know, it's because they wanted to protect the whistleblower's safety. I guess he's familiar with what his own party does to potential whistleblowers like Seth Rich. They get freaking murdered. We don't do that. As a matter of fact, President Trump and his personal attorney begged, begged to allow the whistleblower to testify. Begged for it. If you're on trial for murder and the prosecutor says, I have one person, one person that's got evidence against you that's going to put you away, are you going to say, please, Mr. Prosecutor, let him testify? That's what President Trump did. Do you think there's anything there or not? Because I know if somebody has evidence against me, I'm not going to ask that they be allowed to testify. 
But that's why I should have said he did it. He's worried about the, the, the person's safety. I can promise you if I had a witness against him, 100% they're going to testify. There's no question about it. I'll protect dude with a tank myself if I need to. I mean, at this point, we don't even know the whistleblower exists. Given the false Russia investigation, attempts by the FBI to block Trump from becoming president, the false story about Stormy Daniels, who had her case thrown out of court and required to pay the president's court costs, given Maxine Waters calling for impeachment before President Trump's inauguration, before he even had a chance to do anything, given Rashida Tlaib coming into office and immediately saying we're going to impeach the motherfucker, which is a quote, by the way, before any hearings. Given Democrat Representative Al Green saying, I'm afraid if we don't impeach him, he's going to be reelected. Again, another actual quote. And thank you, Congressman Green, for being the only fucking Democrat who's been honest about this entire process. That's what they're doing here. They know they can't beat us at the polls. They can't beat you and I. They're not even worried about Trump. They're worried about beating you and I, and they know they can't do it. Because when we get pissed off, we vote. And they know that. And again, Schiff completely lied, misrepresented the phone call made between Trump and Zelensky. You know, again, his lie that he'd seen the Russia evidence, given that Obama, Barack Obama, when he was president of the United States, said Russia can't interfere in our elections. They're too dispersed. He said that when he thought Hillary was going to win, but by damn, as soon as Trump wins, well, it's Russia all of a sudden. Get the hell out of here. What about the Fourth Amendment? What about them asking for his tax records without saying what they're looking for? What about the total unwillingness to investigate Biden's full admission that I just played for you? What about the fact that President Zelensky's come out twice, the most recent one being on December 2nd, and said there was no quid pro quo and I felt no pressure? None. He said there was none. The guy who was on the other end of the goddamn phone said there was none. The whistleblower doesn't exist, folks. He doesn't exist. This is yet another Democrat scam to undo a free and fair election. One that you won. And I could go on and on with reasons that I know this is a sham. And reasons that I know that the whistleblower doesn't exist. But you guys are kind enough to give me some of your time. I try not to take too much of it. Try to keep the show to about a half an hour or so. So let's stop here. Try to move on to something else. I want to get into these professors a little bit more because, as I said, none of them are fact witnesses in the case, and it really didn't make any sense for any of them to be there. You know, if you want to talk to a a con law professor, you know, in your office when you're trying to figure out how impeachment should go. Impeachment doesn't have a whole lot of precedent in this country. It's only happened a couple of times. I can understand that. You know, ask them what the process should be. Ask them what they think the next step should be. Ask them how they think things should progress. I I have no issue with that. I think that's smart, actually. 
but bringing these people in to testify makes absolutely no sense. They, they bring nothing to the case. They do nothing to prove any kind of case against the president, not that there is one. Um, like I said, I mean, Professor Carlin from Stanford, she flat out perjured herself. There's no way around it. She made a statement to Congress that she knew wasn't true. That's perjury. That's a crime. It's a felony. And it's just flat out false. If I know that and you know that and she knows that, you can't do that. And at what point does somebody at Stanford say, well, damn, you know, one of our professors who's supposed to be a constitutional law teacher just committed perjury. Is this the kind of person that we want teaching at a prestigious university or not? Seems like a pretty simple answer to me. You know, say you're paying $180,000 a year to send your kids to one of the best law schools in the country. And the class is being taught by a known perjurer. Is that who you want your kid to learn from? Is that the best value for your dollar? These aren't difficult questions, ladies and gentlemen. And I know you guys do your homework. It, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not directing my frustration at you at all. I probably have the best informed audience in all of podcast history. Just from the feedback that I get, you guys get it, you understand. You keep up, you care about this country, and I appreciate that. You know, and the, the other thing is that apparently none of these professors know that hearsay testimony is not admissible in any trial in this country. The one exception being a dying declaration. If Bob's been shot and Bob tells Susie, hey, it was George that shot me, Susie can go to the court and testify that it was George that shot Bob. That's the only time hearsay is admissible. But all we heard was hearsay evidence in the Intelligence Committee. And again, none of these professors were present to hear even any of that testimony. <laughs> so it's like they're testifying that the president should be impeached without hearing any evidence. I mean, it's like, does a constitutional law professor not know that a person is innocent until proven guilty in this country? And they've heard literally no evidence that proves the man guilty? And they remain employed? I mean, what kind of crack are the presidents of these universities smoking? And I know it's anti-Trump crack. You know, as long as you hate Republicans, you can work in pretty much any college in the country. I mean, that's pretty well a given. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's the Intelligence Committee had nothing. They presented no one, again, who had ever even met the president. And only one person that was on that call. And all he gave was his opinion. His opinion doesn't matter. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to so help you God? Period. There's nothing in there that says, can we please have your opinion? But these professors want a lawful election overturned on hearsay. Again, how do you remain employed, especially at a public university? One that's getting state money. Well, taxpayers deserve a hell of a lot better than that. And again, it's like they don't realize the president's entitled to a defense. We haven't seen or heard that yet. And all three of them said that he deserved to be impeached. 
you know, you'd think they'd learn their lesson at some point, only hearing one side of the story and making a judgment based on that. It's what Democrats do and, and what the left does every time a white police officer shoots a person of color. They immediately damn the cop based on one side of the story. Then all the facts come out. The cop is appropriately exonerated. And they burn their towns down because of correct decisions made by a court. Correct decision by a court that heard both sides. Who knows how our system actually works? And I guess there's a good reason that Democrats didn't call constitutional law professors that know how things actually worked. Because any one of them would have said, this is a charade, this is a farce, this is a joke, and it should end right now. And it should. I know that. You know that. Schiff knows that. Nadler knows that. Pelosi knows that. It's their hatred. It is their pure hatred that is guiding this. And it's not even their hatred of Trump. It's their hatred of you. Last week, I was feeling particularly discouraged about uh, a lot of the things that are going on politically, and I had some other things going on, too. And I wanted to kind of try to lighten my own mood, and I wanted to, if I could, kind of improve the tenor of the podcast this week, too. I knew I was going to be frustrated about some of the things that were going on, and I was going to, as I usually do, voice that frustration. But I also wanted to give you guys something positive. That's important to me to do. Um, I don't want to be one of those guys that just bitches about everything that happens. I mean, there's really nothing productive that comes out of that. Might be a little bit good for lowering my blood pressure a little, and, you know, hopefully you guys might get something out of it, possibly learn something that you didn't know or get a different perspective on something that you did. But the question that I threw out was, what right that our founders gave us are you most thankful for and why? Um, And I got a number of good answers I'm going to share two of those with you that I'm particularly fond of. The first one comes from Ryan in Catanning, Pennsylvania. And Ryan says, The right to free speech and the right to bear arms are the two building blocks. I'm thankful that those men and the women who supported them had the forethought they did to include all of the things they did. I think that today many people believe that the further back into the past we go, the less intelligent people are compared to today. I think that these men were very intelligent, and intellectually superior to most in Congress today. I know Ryan uh, from several Pirates groups, Pittsburgh Pirates groups, that we're both members of. And Ryan, I hung you a meatball over the plate, and you crashed that son of a gun into the Allegheny River. I mean, it's like I don't think you could have picked two better rights, and I don't think you could have expressed it more eloquently in, in one short paragraph. Um, Obviously, it's not an original thought of mine, but the Second Amendment protects all others. Um, And I think the most important one that it protects is the right to free speech. That's something that I certainly hold dear, not just because of the podcast, but because of all of the other outlets that I have to share my opinions. I don't have to worry about reprisal from my government too much. (laughs) Um, But... I am, I am like Ryan, I'm, I'm very thankful for that right to, to be able to speak freely and not have to worry about, you know, um, serious consequences for the most part. The right to bear arms, I mean, when you get right down to it, 
those were the two rights that were used by the founders in order, free speech and the right to bear arms. They spoke freely against the king. And when the king didn't like that very much, they bared arms. Um, that's how we got a country. It's why we have a country. And frankly, I think it's why our country will continue to persist, even in the in the face of all of the challenges and the, the kind of darkness that we're facing right now. I also love the fact that Ryan had the insight, even though our society is much different now than it was back then, and I think we're all thankful that it's it's different now, Ryan included the women who supported our founders. Um, I don't know how your particular homes run, um, but I can say that my girlfriend is the stabilizing force in everything that I do. Um, she is my biggest fan. She can be my harshest critic when I deserve it. Um, and I think those guys probably experienced the same things. I, I'm sure they didn't just leave everything at work. I'm sure they went home and talked to these important women and discussed their feelings on, you know, different rights and how they thought things should be and how our government should be structured. And I'm sure they got input from these women who didn't get credit for it. And if nothing else, they did support them during those incredibly hot days during the summer when the windows are wide open with no screens in them and it's 125 degrees inside and flies flying all over the place. You know, to to understand what they were going through and the tedious nature of working together with people to come to an agreement on things that are so important. Could you imagine trying to write a constitution today? Sitting Democrats and Republicans down side by side and figuring out how best to run a government? I don't think we could do it. But these great men, and as Ryan so eloquently stated, the women behind them did. And don't even get me started on intellectual superiority. I think it's uh, no contest that our founders certainly win all of that. Um, the next one that I want to share with you is from Mark in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. And he says, the right that I am the most thankful for is our right to freedom of speech. Arguably, it is the foundation of all of our rights, the first and most important building block of our nation, therefore fitting to be the First Amendment. I'm thankful that it allows my voice to be heard without fear of reprisal when it appears the government is not listening. It is my attempt to get the government to fix problems that they may otherwise be blind to and be encouraged by their willingness to address them. I'm thankful that I'm allowed to have the freedom of choice to practice a religion or abstain from practicing others. I'm thankful that I don't have to live in fear of banishment, incarceration, or even death simply because I violated the will of my government. Lastly, I'm thankful to our founders who were compelled enough and thought it essential enough to be sure that we, the people, have a voice in government for the success of a nation is reliant on its people. And I'm thankful that there's no snow in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. <laughs> I know Mark personally. I call him Mac. Um, but I know him personally, and I know that he's, he's the type of person that I really strive and fail to be. Um, he's a United States Army vet, airborne pathfinder, retired. Um, served his country to the detriment of his own body. And I know that when, when Mark speaks, it's time to listen. Um, you know, this, this guy has put his very life, his safety, um, and like I said, his, his health on the line to stand up for the things that he believes in. 
you know, when you take that oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, it's not something that ever goes away. There's no expiration date on that. And Mark exemplifies that. You know, he's constantly standing up for what he believes is right. Um, and I think he's, he's absolutely right. I don't think any nation can succeed without its people. I want to read that part again, actually. Lastly, I'm thankful that our founders were compelled enough and thought it essential enough to be sure that we, the people, have a voice in government for the success of a nation is reliant on its people. I mean, to me, that sounds like something one of our founders could have written. You know, you you look at the letters that they wrote back and forth to each other, talking about why they decided the things that they did and why they included things in the Constitution that they did. This is the kind of thing that you got, you know, and our, our founders realized that we, the people, were the foundation of everything. And the fact that their vision and their belief in that carries through to the most important people living today I think it's a very special thing. To everybody that offered an answer, I, I really want to thank you guys. I mean, there wasn't an answer that was, you know, unworthy of being on the show. Um, you guys are spectacular. I really appreciate the support. I love the fact that you are willing to share with me so openly and so honestly and support the show and support me personally. And, you know, I'm, I'm just very blessed to have the people in my life that I do. And so thank you very much for that. Thank you all very much for listening. This has been another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwalt. As always, I would ask that you guys, if you want to contact me, if you have comments that you would like to share, comments or criticisms about the show, something that you would like to say on the show, um, my forum is your forum. This belongs to us. You know, the the podcast might have my name on it, and, you know, I, I mean, it might... Um, show up in searches that it's my podcast. It's yours as well. Um, I want us all to have a voice. I want us all to be able to express ourselves. I want to, you know, laugh and cry and commiserate and celebrate and all that stuff together. So please feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me on Twitter, Treehouse of Liberty Podcast. Oddly enough, we're also the Treehouse of Liberty Podcast on Facebook. You can also message me there. Or if you'd like, you can send me an email to my personal account, which is J.D. Fornwalt. That is J.D. F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom, at gmail.com. If you do send me a comment, please be sure to include listener commentary. That's listener commentary somewhere early in your message. Thank you so much if you do decide to do that, guys. And thank you for being with me once again. This has been the Treehouse Liberty Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fornwalt. Until next time, take care.